0: Welcome to The Problem, a Lockwood & Co. podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. And today we're talking about the first part of part six, Through the Looking Glass.
1: The beginning of the end.
0: Oh yes, the final part. Um, we do witness George die in these chapters, so just
1: I know. as
0: a trigger warning, death of a main character.
1: Ugh. I remember reading this for the first time, and I was like, wait a wait. minute. What?
0: I genuinely don't remember my reaction. I don't think he, I would have thought he actually killed George.
1: Mm-hmm. I am dumb and gullible, <laughs> so
0: I don't know. Like death of a main character is just not the vibe I get from these books.
1: No, 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 no.
0: I mean, I think it would have been interesting to see it go. Oh man, everybody's traumas would have just been through <laughs> the roof.
1: Lockwood would be like, "Oh well, guess we got to hire." Someone else now, because I am mean, emotionally <laughs> shut off.
0: <laughs> What's her face? Like Lucy would have hated new girl. Anybody? But what? What is her actual name? Oh, Holly. Holly, yes. Lucy yeah. would have hated Holly so much more because not only would she have still been Holly, but she would have been replacing
1: George. <laughs> Could you imagine the fond thoughts of George? Like I loved when, whenever George would do naked yoga, I never wanted to slap his face.
0: So okay. We're getting way off topic here, but George dies. Like, 100% he decides to come back and be a type 3, so yeah. that he can still be part of
1: the team. <laughs> that would actually be amazing.
0: And then him and Scholar are in arguments all the time.
1: Would his glasses be his source?
0: That makes sense, yeah.
1: Then somebody could wear, Kipps could wear the glasses, and he would... <laughs> this oh, is no. a great AU. Someone should do that.
0: Kipps could wear the glasses. <laughs> he can't even hear or see George and he's I know. stuck carrying him around just hoping that George is feeling charitable that day and not wanting to kill him.
1: I feel like George would make him see things that even though his talents not there somehow he would make it happen to be like he would see. see things that aren't aren't really there just to mess with Kipps.
0: All right, chapter 25. <laughs> Lucy and Lockwood return to an empty Portland Row and eventually figure out George left with the bone glass. And the chapter art is the Mary Duloc journal. Yep. On top of the thinking cloth.
1: On the thinking cloth.
0: And this, I think, is the most clear of the chapter image art, chapter heading, you know what I'm saying, that we have ever gotten. You can read the
1: words and stuff. On yeah, the thinking you can cloth.
0: see yeah. what's happening on the thinking cloth, and yeah. it's wild. Uh, it makes up for next chapter.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. That one's a Rorschach test. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: We start off with the cozy little kitchen.
1: It's so cozy. They get home and get changed from their wet clothes and eat some food. It's so nice.
0: A completely opposite vibe from this scene in the TV show.
1: It's like so tense. Yeah. They do kind of do this. They, like, make each other food and kind of make up.
0: Oh, yeah. The show gets there. But, like, this is just like, we are feeling good. We succeeded. We're here. We got some eggs boiling. We got tea. We're in dry clothes. We have showered. Everything is A+. George will be home in a couple of minutes.
1: So I love when books do this, for one thing. But I think this also is deliberately recalling the end of the previous book where they, like, have wrapped up the case, they got out of the dangerous situation, and now they're, like, having snacks in the kitchen, and, like, Mm. the world is perfect, right?
0: So, yeah, so it feels like this should be the happy ending.
1: Exactly, yeah. And, like, I love when there's the happy ending, and it's like we haven't gotten to the darkest part yet. Like, things are so much worse.
0: So then uh, they start reading Mary Dulac's journal while they wait for George, um, and they're sort of going through it all. And I just wanted to point out that... Uh, what is it? The mysteries of creation, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they didn't do poor old Mary much good since she apparently spent 10 years living in a hollow tree. And what do you mean didn't do her much good? That is literally my dream since (laughs) I was like seven years old, you know? Yes. I would like to be a mushroom in a
1: forest in a hollow tree.
0: That, (laughs) that's all I want. Away from capitalism. Oh, my books.
1: That's the dream, though, to live off grid.
0: But with my books. Yeah. I just I just moved all of them, you know, so I can't.
1: <laughs> like uh, Luke Skywalker, he's living in that weird place in the sequels with the, the books inside the hollow tree. That's what you need.
0: Yeah. Anyways, I'm sure it was less nice for her.
1: No, she seems crazy. So, yeah, it's it, one of the things that I really like about this passage. Is, uh, there's like a style choice that I think is really smart because he doesn't have a lot of time here for us to like dwell within Mary's voice. But right. there's this thing where it says, still I see him before me, swathed in his velvet cloak, performing his dark rituals. Still I see him coming from his workroom. And it says, still I hear, still I see. Um, this repetition of still, it very efficiently communicates kind of her obsessive neurotic mind in a way that like you don't even have a page of this stuff and you're like mm-hmm. oh there's like she's off it's not just the stuff that she's talking about and her obsession with death like the voice itself is creepy
0: i liked how he gave us these really creepy uh glimpse into not only mary's mind but also who bickerstaff was as a person and then interspersed it with like There followed a short digression about the varieties of bark and fungi that Mary Dulac had been forced to eat during (laughs) her years (laughs) living wild in Chertsey Forest. And I just realized our friend Anya is probably going to listen to this and be
1: upset about how I just said fungi, but whatever. Is it fungi? I I I say fungi. I don't know. I didn't know that was wrong. I probably said swathed wrong. It's swathed.
0: We're going to get a paragraph of text from her after yeah. this. <laughs> it's going to be great. But yeah, no, it is It is great. I love, like, there was previous talk about Bickerstaff and how he was like a charismatic leader type of person. Um, but here you really get him being like, oh, he's a cult leader. Yeah. Like he can make people think that he is needing sacrifices from them for their own good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like charismatic and all that sort of stuff. She talks about how he would convince them to do things and and that sort of thing.
1: I mean, Mary is ruined by this experience of meeting him and and being with him and interacting with the bone glass and stuff. But she's not this total victim and she does fight back against him and, and... ultimately yeah. kills him. Yeah. So I really actually like that a lot.
0: So there is some mentions of the boy that is potentially Skull. hmm uh-huh. Right, the servant boy, who was described even when he was alive as cunning and malignant. Love that for Skull. <laughs> um, but there's one line where it says, the boy protected us from the vengeful spirits. And this was pre the problem, uh-huh. but it does sound like... Uh, When he was alive, Skull had some talent.
1: Yeah. Capital T. Yeah, I like that. I think, and that's part of his function within the group, it seems like. Either Bickerstaff knew that children had this sense or like he figured it out. Mm -hmm. I would think that probably whatever documents told him how to, you know, whatever Necronomicon he's looking in or whatever was like, have a kid nearby because they're handy for this kind of shit.
0: (laughs) Handy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, at one point, it talks about, like, uh, whatever you see through Bickerstaff's mirror, I don't think it's heaven.
0: Like, I wish these books got a little bit more philosophical than they do sometimes. Because a lot of the time, the kids, or you know, the Lockwood and Coke group are, like... Yeah, we discovered this crazy ghost-related thing, and then are like, that's fun, and move on, and are not like, this is some really intense metaphysical implications, actually. Mm -hmm. Because to my thinking, what would drive you the most mad is seeing
1: heaven. I agree. I don't think most people think that, but I agree completely.
0: Right? Because if it is supposed to be this perfect place where you can be the happiest you've ever been, and then you get a glimpse of it and are denied it, I think you'd go a little mad trying to see it again.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's like a whole season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is about that. Sure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what I think about season six, Caitlin said.
0: You're not wrong, but (laughs) I don't think Buffy does it well. I have such conflicting thoughts about Buffy, but... (laughs)
1: yeah anyways moving on i think if i think it's a, a little bit different when you said that so and this is always the way that it is with you and me because we like the same things but it's usually for like very different reasons yeah uh, i think yeah i think if you looked into a perfect heaven you would go crazy because the only way that something like that is possible is like the total disillusion of your like otherness your the way that you don't fit in the thing that makes right. you like that would be gone you would come back from that and you would just not fit in at all anymore you would be crazy heaven's bad that's that's what we believe here.
0: <laughs> i mean i don't believe it exists at all yeah. but oof, we just got a little intense there let's move <laughs> on
1: <laughs> so my next note here is from like more passages of Mary Dulac's perspective and I mm-hmm. think that functionally within the plot the important thing about reading this and why it needs to happen at this apparent happy ending is because we need to we already know that the mirror is bad, but we need to know exactly how bad it is to set the stakes And so and- it talks about like, He held it before me. I had half a glimpse, half a glimpse only, and I felt my sanity shake loose. My limbs go cold. So things like that tell us that like, oh, this thing is like, we know that it's serious business because it's killed people, but now we're hearing it from someone that it happened to.
0: And we also learn how bad Bickerstaff was, because I think previously you could have interpreted him as just curious, you know, just wanting to know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But now it is very clear that he was a manipulator.
1: That's right. Yeah, I think that's right. And like I said, it also tells us about how Mary finally fought back and killed him.
0: Yes, yeah, so we get an answer to the rat thing. Or or like we yeah, have how that he come was full circle. Because we knew yeah. who died from the rats was Wilberforce. But like, yes, everything kind of comes together here. And also... The reading of the passages are interspersed with Lucy and Lockwood being like, George will be back soon. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, and we get this one little aside about the the cunning little kid um, escaping before the end. So he didn't go down with the rest of the cult. He got out. Right. Which is interesting because now we, we don't know how he died. And I like that we keep this mystery about Skull.
1: I had a very pretentious note about this. She has she says it's the greatest regret of her life is not murdering this child, yeah um, which is great and crazy <laughs> to have in this book, but I read that, and I was like, "Oh, it's like the merciful hand of Bilbo not cutting down gollum and, and it ultimately saves middle Earth, like the poor marksmanship of Mary Dulac ultimately like saves London,
0: interesting. I mean, he may have become a ghost anyways. And technically, we're not 100% sure that this is Skull. But I mean, all signs point to this being Skull. But yeah, I guess, and not in just this book, but in the future book, Skull is very important.
1: Yeah, yeah. But they come out of all this and they, but seriously, where is George? And then they notice the tablecloth and that there's a new note
0: Gone to see a friend about the mirror back soon gee and that's all great but like why wouldn't they date their notes
1: yeah I think this every time that it happens whatever because they're kids but also <laughs> yeah. at the same time skull who has the top all the way closed oh yeah is like over there laughing it up making faces at Lucy and so then they ask him what's up and he's very very happy.
0: To have information they don't to be needed,
1: really. He's like missing someone. Has the penny just dropped? All this skull stuff is great. Yeah. He calls them stupid, <laughs> and uh, that two dim dormice would have figured it out faster than you two, and <laughs> all of this stuff.
0: Aw, they could be two dim dormice living in a hollow tree in the woods.
1: <laughs> the dream
0: a dream but eventually skull does say you know you're right covens was here he beat you home by almost an hour had the mirror and then took off with it or joplin showed up joplin showed up Right. then they left and george at the last minute came running back in to leave a note so we get this idea that george hasn't quite lost his mind
1: he loves them he knows something deep inside he knows something's wrong
0: yeah and then Skull has this bit where he says, perhaps you never look at him, because he's saying how George has been, like, slowly been taken over, basically, by Bickerstaff, which I actually find is really interesting, because in the show, they meant, they had it be the mirror yeah. that was kind of luring him in, yeah. but the book has really kept Bickerstaff having that, like, cult leader influence, even as a ghost, and mm-hmm. I think that is way more interesting than the mirror it's drawing them in. It's very scary, yeah.
1: Yeah, it it keeps a, a nicer division too between like the victim, which is the glass, and the yes. perpetrator, which is Bickerstaff. Yeah, yeah,
0: and also just what like sources can do and are. Yeah, I mean, it worked in the show too because we got that visual of George seeing the spiral everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it it worked visually better there, but um, I like this.
1: It's really good. It's, it makes him so much scarier, especially when she sees him later. It's like, ugh.
0: Yeah. What I meant to bring up here with the perhaps you never look at him. Again, I just wanted to say that I don't think that really lands here because they haven't been ignoring George or anything in the book. Like they haven't been wrapped up in themselves. Mm
1: -hmm. It's like you said in the Bickerstaff manner when, Yeah. yeah, when they like crowd around George. Because they notice that, like, something is up with him, so they, like, get more protective of him and things like that. Yeah.
0: And and then even after that, Lockwood is like, George is always like this. He's always obsessed with relics and old stuff. It's just how he is. And I'm on Lockwood's side with that. Like, I I don't feel like maybe George was a little bit more obsessive occasionally in this book. But then Lockwood would always kind of be like, George, you can't do this, you know?
1: Yeah. This is also like in character, though, for Skull to say the most hurtful thing that he could say to them, to be like, "Well, you're just bad friends. You're just not That's paying true. attention." That's true. That's true. Could just be Skull wanting to be a bit of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. There. So they they have a fight basically with Skull, and uh, he's like, "What could you possibly do to me? Like, I have nothing to lose. I'm already dead." life is awesome. I'm going to sit here and watch you guys fail. Like, this is it.
0: I'm already dead. Life is awesome. Okay. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. (sighs) This is his philosophy. Like, I'm exactly where I want to be. But Lucy knows and she figures out. And I love that they have this, like, their, their relationship has already, like, started, right? Yeah. But she tells him that she'll just leave him on his own. I'll just... Just you on your own forever buried underground. How does that sound? And he's like, terrible. You wouldn't do that. The coast said you need me. Don't forget. I love that. Like, I, I feel like most of the a lot of this book has been about Lucy
0: trying to understand skull and what he wants and how to get him to talk. And it's nice to have that come together here where she's like, oh, you like being important. You like being involved. I can put you in a bag and bury you deep in a hole and you'll never be involved ever again yeah like let's say they bury him and then the problem gets capital s solved Do ghosts just do they still have to get rid of ghosts like would he still be stuck there or would he just eventually go away does he have to like he was his source yeah does his source have to be destroyed or can he choose to go
1: oh yeah type threes are weird Yeah, yeah who knows
0: Anyways, so they figure out that George and Joplin must be at Kensal Green. So they get some equipment together and go over there. And also Lockwood has been peppering through this, the things that he put together about Joplin, that he stole the the stand for the mirror mm-hmm. and that the dandruff was grave dust. Right,
1: yeah. It doesn't matter. We get that Move payoff. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Lockwood is basically solving the case. I mean, it what it really does is like, up the stakes because it's not just that george is missing it's not just that he has this dangerous artifact of the bone glass it's that he's in the hands of a duplicitous murderer yes so he's completely unsafe and doesn't understand the danger that he's in so we have to go and save him
0: yes and i guess the really important part is that they put together that joplin was the murderer of carver because he likes to keep artifacts from their digs and that he's probably the inside man that Saunders was complaining about. Right. Blah blah blah, everything makes sense to the cemetery.
1: Skull is is so used to being at home and like feels like, you know, that this whole thing has solved itself. He's finally gets to know that Cubbins will die. Everything <laughs> is perfect and beautiful and then Lockwood's like, "Don't look so smug. You're coming too." And stuffs him in a backpack.
0: So, when he says, don't look so smug... Like, just before that, um, Skull was saying, like, you know, have fun. You know? hmm <laughs> I always think of, have fun, storming the castle. That's exactly
1: what I thought. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then Lockwood says that. And I'm like, that must have been quite the face Skull was making, since Lockwood can't hear him. Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> His face is... We don't we didn't really talk about it, but his faces are pretty wild. Like it talks about his face does impossible stuff all the time with his eyes rolling completely around or things like that. He's kind of uh, cartoonish in a fun, creepy way. They really didn't do that in the show. Like it, it looks very it's creepy, but it but it looks very like normal to me all the time.
0: See, this is why I really do want a season two, although the longer it goes without anything, the less hope I have. Uh-huh. Because I want to see what they're going to do with Skull in the show, because they did give him such a different vibe. Yeah. He's less of a little bitch. Well, chapter 26.
1: In chapter 26, Skull and Lucy search for George in the catacombs of Kensal Green Cemetery, while Lockwood defends the chapel from an ambush.
0: And this is the chapter header art that I literally wrote down three question marks. I figured it out later, obviously. But when I first got it, I was like, it's got to be something in the catacombs, but it doesn't look like a skull or this is the bones or anything. It's the
1: leftover Swiss roll it's, underneath a glass <laughs> from earlier in the book. That's what's happening.
0: We find out that it's dried lilies under a glass dome, which is the wildest thing to leave on a – like flowers, I get sure. But under a glass dome to protect the flowers?
1: I was wondering – so when I read this, I was like, I wonder if that's like – because vacuum sealing things was like this big technological breakthrough that rich people really got into in like the – late 1700s, 1800s, early 1800s. Um, and it would be like just the kind of thing to like, you could sell to people and be like, leave flowers for your loved one that will never fade away. <sighs> you know? And it also made me think recently there was a big meetup of all kinds of fans, uh, of Lockwood and co in London. And they got to go to like Portland row and, they even got to hang out with the actors from the show and the creators and Joe Cornish and all that stuff. And uh, Jonathan Stroud was there and he talked about Kensal Green Cemetery and how when he was a young man, he took the tour there in the like catacombs and stuff. Mm. And I was like, I wonder if this was something he saw down there and just. And it just stuck with him. Yeah. Them. He was like, I got to put yeah, that, that in Yeah, that makes
0: sense. That makes sense. Because it is such a very specific imagery when he describes it later, but also has absolutely nothing to do with anything that's going on.
1: Yeah, we've never had, like, the lily as a symbol or anything like that. It's not part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, so, like, so interesting.
0: Yeah, so it makes sense that he would, if, if that is a true hypothesis. So they get to the Kensal Green Cemetery and the little Westgate is open, but the little watch hut is empty. And I was like, it would have been so hilarious if that little shit kid was there.
1: <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> just, oh,
0: my God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still trying to keep them out. That would have been amazing. Not for any reason, just to be yeah. like a little shit. Just
1: be like, oh, you got another <laughs> bribe? Yeah. T- yeah, exactly. Beat me up?
0: Or he's like taking a nap and like he's decided <laughs> this is a nice place. I'll just sleep here. That would have been in amazing. the cemetery. I miss him. I forgot about it. Uh, but him. that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, sweet dreams excavations. All the like stuff is still there, but it's all abandoned.
1: Yeah the the graveyard is not alive at night. It's abandoned, and they figure out that they've got to be down in the catacombs, and mm-hmm. the way to get there is with the catafolk. But they don't know how to work a catafolk because their nerd is gone. The two jocks yeah, are like, I don't oh, know. What do you think? They can't. Yeah, figure it
0: they're out. useless without a nerd.
1: I do like Skull watching them do this, and he probably knows the answer. And is he's like, honestly, this is pathetic. It's like teaching cats to read.
0: <laughs> I bet a five year old could figure this yeah. out. It's just like it's like they
1: Good. They brought Skull just for him to constantly insult. He doesn't really help.
0: To me, this is a much better humor than them making fun of
1: George. It's so good. Yeah, I love his commentary of everything they do. It's great. Lockwood is like figuring out exactly that Joplin is the only person who could have been the guy and that he must have killed Carver and that Carver took the thing to Winkman. I mean, he just like puts all the pieces together. Yeah. In the previous book... We've put, he puts together like, oh, Fairfax did this and like Fairfax led us into this trap, but it kind of doesn't matter that you know that because like you're in the trap. And, and so like we've solved the mystery, but now we have to like save George. That's the real problem now.
0: It doesn't matter, but it is satisfying as a reader to see it all come together. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I love that. I love the way that, yeah, I'm not saying this is bad at all. Like I love, oh, okay. That the book feels so much like a mystery book and we close out the mystery here, but the tension's never been higher. Like it doesn't feel like a release of what's happening in the book. I think that's so difficult to do as a writer. Like, and Stroud does this effortlessly more and more as the series continues. He just slips from one kind of genre mode to another, keeping his world consistent. So now we're not in a mystery book anymore, We've got to like close this kind of like kidnapping adventure thriller kind of plot. Right. But it doesn't feel forced or contrived. I don't know. It's, it's very skillfully done.
0: Uh, we see a skull try to bend Lucy to his will, <laughs> which obviously, it's really good, which obviously does not work. And then just because they can't find the lever to move the catafalque, they decide to go and check outside for something. Both of them are like, this makes no sense, but what else can we do? <laughs> they open the door, and Bobby Vernon, Cat Godwin, and Big Ned Shaw are there. I like the switch from Little Bobby it's Vernon big to Big Ned, Ned Shaw.
1: Shaw. Yeah, that's good.
0: As though they're like twins, and we need to <laughs> s- differentiate them. But their names are completely different. And we find out that Kipps is kind of missing... And also, Ned has this line where he says, what have you done with him? No nonsense today, Lockwood. Speak up right now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're the nonsense, Ned.
1: Yeah. What? Yeah.
0: You you are the bully. I, I'm i so glad he dies. <laughs> I hate that guy.
1: Kat Godwin's like, where's Quill? So, yeah. Yeah. There's like a whole nother thing going on here that we didn't even know about. And I love that Quill is... Like his only strategy at, at a certain point was like, just follow Lockwood and Co. Like they, they're they onto it. So they shook him yep. back at the Fitzball, ball and the, I guess the cab just continued to their home. And Kipps must've just sat there while the whole thing happened with Winkman. And then he saw George come home and decided to follow him. So that's what happened. Can
0: you imagine? I hope he knew that George had the bone glass. I don't think he did. I don't think he did either, but can you imagine just well, I'll just wait for them to come back and then they come back with the bone glass and he's like, Oh fuck.
1: I wonder if he was confused. Like like the cab stops and everything. He's like, Well, I didn't see them get out, but obviously they did. And then George shows up later and he's like, Wait a minute. I thought they were already home. You know? <laughs> it's not just that George is missing, but that Kips is missing, and not that we care too much about that. But it does bring the two groups back together, which I think is like the closing of this arc that I've been talking about since the very first chapter that the problem has been, and, and we'll get into this a little bit more when we get down into the catacombs, the way that Lockwood and co has been keeping secrets the whole time, the way that they've been playing to their own advantage and that they're not collaborating more with the people who you know we should all be working together against these assholes and not against each other to the benefit of these assholes is kind of the thing
0: i understand that to a degree but ned shaw is part of their uh, no i you know like they
1: are the assholes to be clear yeah like we need to like get a different mindset is the i think the ultimate point
0: I am genuinely glad that we don't see any true cooperation between the teams until after Ned Shaw is no longer around. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> the dude is just a bully, and I hate him. Anyways, I've gone on about that enough. Um, So since they found Quill's team, they can borrow a nerd.
1: Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Bobby Vernon confirms that the uh controls for the catafalque should be above because the dude who runs services
1: yeah the priest I've lost or the word
0: priest yeah. pastor the man whatever would lower the body down and then what right like he, do they just everybody exits with a hole in the floor or people are waiting down there and they've just been down there the whole service to grab the body like what
1: i don't know yeah i don't know how that works
0: Anyway, so that's confirmed, but then some Winkman goons show up, so Lockwood and the Kips team are going to go, the Fitz team, whatever you want to call them, Mm -hmm. um, are going to go fight off Winkman goons, and Lucy and Skull are going to go find George, so Lucy closes the door. We don't get to see the big epic fight.
1: Yeah, because we're like in a close perspective with Lucy, so... You yeah. can imagine the show stuff is happening, but we don't get to see any of that, which I think is why you kind of didn't remember if this happened or not, because yeah, it sort of doesn't happen. Before that happens, there was this interesting bit, I thought, that Kat Godwin says, you know, Lucy's like, Are, oh, were you still spying on us? That's a shame. And she says, better than skulking around with criminals like you seem to be doing. Uh, which I thought was like so fascinating because these kids are like so captured by the Fitz manual system that there's like mm. they're so obedient and believe like it's good to follow the rules. It's bad to break the rules that they can't see the corruption of the Fitz agency and like all the ways that it's involved in criminal activity. Like mm-hmm. to them, they're like solid gold good guys and they just that it's just invisible to them. They made this happen, and they can't see that at all. Like it's it's really fascinating.
0: It makes total sense, though.
1: Yeah, it's great
0: because they're like the top of their food chain. Yep, the best of the and, best. Yeah, yeah. And and so of course they buy in. They get the best stuff. Yep. It's really interesting because not to get too much into things that happen in future books, even though we've talked about kind of a lot. But like Kipps doesn't have his change of heart. Until it is really driven home for him how useless he is without his talents and how he is just like a like his position doesn't really mean anything.
1: No, he's not valued like he what his position is, is not even what he thinks his position is. Yeah, because he's part of like a cover of propriety. Yep. But uh, I like when the when the Winkman guys come out to Skull has a good joke where he's like, hey, this is exciting. I'm, I really enjoy this. You, I'm going to watch you all get killed. This is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
0: We should do this more often.
1: <laughs> it's good.
0: But then, yeah. So uh, Lockwood closes the doors with Lucy inside and everybody else outside. And Lucy suddenly has a light bulb moment because, of course, to serve the story, it couldn't happen earlier, where she realizes <laughs> that the person running the service must be the one to hit the button so she texts oh she says minister that's a word that didn't occur to me um so she checks the pulpit area yeah, that's and a, finds a that's a good catch-all
1: word for like any era of christianity in england minister
0: yeah i, I don't know if our earlier uh, conversation about heaven said anything but we are not the most religious people <laughs> Um, in the world, I think Alan knows a lot more about religion than I do and like has perhaps some experience with it, but I have only ever been to one church service, and that was a midnight mass on a Christmas Eve in England, actually, and that's just because the family I was staying with was going, so I, I had to. It was fun, though. I, I had a good time. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, if you're going to do it, that's probably one of the better ways to do it, honestly.
0: Yeah, and like that family only went because um, w- one of them was in the choir, because he, oh. he liked singing, right? So we all went to see him sing, and yeah, it was a good time. It was fucking freezing, because it was a church in the middle of goddamn nowhere, built in probably the 1600s. Yeah,
1: they're not built for air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> there was a minister there, probably.
0: I'm sure there was. I do remember a dude, yeah. but it was 2003. Yeah. I want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, So as they go down... Lucy is sort of describing, you know, blah, 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 going down the dark hole. And then (laughs) Skull says, don't be frightened. You're not alone. You've still got me. (laughs) Like, cool.
1: They're there. It's okay.
0: Yeah. And then once they're down in the darkness, Lucy sort of describes as like a talented listener what it's like being down there. And just nope, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. Oh, it's terrible. All those Creepy noises. And the worst one, which Lucy agrees with me here, is uh, the repetitive clicking of somebody's wet tongue that she can just hear in the distance.
1: Yeah. I don't like that at all.
0: (sighs) Although the faint peals of laughter that ended in a sob. Don't like just nothing. All of it's bad. And it's pitch black until she turns on her little flashlight.
1: There was a moment when she gets down there that I really, really like where it kind of mirrors the passage from Mary Dulac that I pointed out earlier where she has this kind of repetitive uh, way of narrating in her monologue. So she says, I thought of Lockwood fighting for his life upstairs. I thought of George and the haunted yearning expression on his face. I thought of how easily everything I cared about. I thought of the emptiness of my work belt. And like this, I thought, I thought, I thought is the same kind of neurotic repetition and anxiety that Mary Mm -hmm. Dulac had. And I love that like right after this, because she's an agent, she just compresses those emotions, boxes them up and then puts them, she says in a cubby hole in the attic of my mind. It's just really interesting to see that same kind of structure in the narrative happen again. But then Lucy's reaction to it is, is like, self-control
0: right um and then this is the bit where we have her or uh, is it here where we have her brush her hand against the glass dome
1: yeah she's like walking along and
0: yeah, yeah she's walking along in the dark sees all kinds skull of is stuff. saying some stuff and then eventually her hand touched something cold and smooth but it was just the dome of glass placed on the shelf beside its coffin Beneath the smudged dust where my fingers had passed, I saw a display of dried white lilies. For a moment, I wondered how long they'd sat there in the dark—these memorial flowers in perpetual bloom. Then I turned off the flashlight and went on again. Um, I'm sure that's his torch in the original. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's where the drawing comes from.
0: Yeah, that's where the. But why? But yeah. Like what?
1: <laughs> and it's not associated. It's not like a source under there or anything. It's just. Or even if it a is creepy thing, it it's not a thing. Yeah. You know right after that there was it's like in the next paragraph she says as much as possible i went in darkness hoping to see visitors as easily as they saw me and i had complained previously in like the bickerstaff manner that like lockwood is like turn out all the lights because the ghosts are coming and i was like why Mm -hmm. would they do that it should they should make it brighter so that the ghosts are weakened but this makes it make sense to me because that way Lockwood can see the ghosts more easily to fight them, I guess. And so could uh, Lucy and George. Like your night vision gets better. I, I don't know.
0: I guess. Or I guess if they're like sources of light in the darkness, shining a light on them makes them more difficult. I don't
1: yeah. Know. And they say that electric light hurts your psychic ability anyway.
0: Which is interesting because I feel like, or maybe I'm getting this from the show, but I feel like previously they've said that ghosts being around affects electric light, Mm -hmm. not the
1: other way around. And it's not reliable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It doesn't really matter. The point is they want it to be creepy and atmospheric. So electric lights don't work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just like that it was, I was like, no, that's wrong. Uh, Lockwood, you shouldn't make it darker. But then later in the book, I was like, oh, this is why. So I was wrong. So that's why I like it.
0: Anyways, eventually, uh, I mean, Skull is taunting Lucy during her whole walk through the catacombs. And eventually she kind of trips and makes a bit of a noise. But Skull is like, no one heard. It's all right. Or did they? Because <laughs> he's a bit of a bitch. Um, and then he says that Biggerstaff is near. And then... Lucy kind of sneaks up on an area and sees George. And that's the end of the chapter.
1: I like that she gets skull to start talking to her by like, she's like, I might as well try to use him since he's here. And like, if he's going to talk and he, you know, like scare me, I'm going to ask him some questions to try and get some information about Bickerstaff and, and everything. But like, she's, she asked him basically, did Bickerstaff ever look into the mirror himself? And he says, he may have been mad, but he wasn't stupid. Of course he didn't. The risks were too great. And it it just like exactly reminds me of the same way that Fairfax was in the previous book. Like he's trying to intellectually conquer death the way that like Fairfax was trying to dominate death with his money. He's trying to like learn everything about it so that he, I guess, so that he can control it or maybe even so that he doesn't have to die or he knows exactly what's going to happen so that. He can get the right outcome for himself or whatever. But it's like the inability of these men to deal with their own mortality costs everyone around them so much, like even their lives, but like to the detriment of all of society because they can't deal with being mortal people the way that everybody else has to.
0: Yeah, it's interesting in a show where normally the ghosts are the ultimate bad guys, It. It seems like the people who don't want to be ghosts the most are the actual
1: bad They're guys. the worst people, yeah.
0: Yeah. Did I say show? Story? Whatever. Book.
1: You said show, but I I knew what you meant.
0: So in chapter 27, Lucy discovers George, at the Boneglass, and Kipps, but she is captured by Albert Joplin, who despite, even though we've read this entire book, I do keep forgetting that Joplin is not a woman.
1: Yeah. There's like some part where it was like, we fought man to man. And I was like, oh, right. That's right.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forgot I, or just anytime they say he or anything, I'm like, right. Yeah. Like it, it can be the same page. Yeah,
1: I know. I was having the same problem.
0: Uh, and the chapter art is the bone glass.
1: It doesn't look like how I picture it, but it's extremely creepy. And we see the the famous Lockwood sticks bundle of sticks. That <laughs> yeah, it's sitting that it's.
0: Although the way she drew it, it looks like it's six instead of like a tripod.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So. That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> there are three legs. It's just, uh, it looks but like a look chair. they look like all they're all in the front. Yeah, yeah, it's weird.
0: Like, that's just not how that would work.
1: Maybe the third leg in the back is just really much bigger than the other two, but so it looks the same size.
0: I guess, yeah, maybe that middle leg is supposed to be at the back. Mm. But doesn't matter. We see that the mirror is all set up. George is tied to a chair, I think, in front of it. That's right. But there's a a gentleman's handkerchief. (laughs) I don't know why. Um, Over the mirror. So the glass is still covered. Uh, And there's an iron chain around it. But also Bickerstaff is there with an iron chain around him. Yeah. And he's hanging out and Quips is there also tied to a chair, I believe, but not directly in front of the mirror.
1: Yeah, he's off to the. I think he's even behind it. I think he's behind the mirror.
0: And then the ghosts from the sources in the bone glass are also kind of hanging out. It's a big party. right. Party in the catacombs.
1: She can see that George is still alive, which is a relief to her. And he's also seems to be unconscious. Poor George.
0: Yeah. Skull is very excited to see Bickerstaff. Then I believe this is where Lucy leaves him behind. Yeah. And Skull is like, "Oh, no, I must be a part of this. I wish to see the master. Take me to him. <laughs> and she's like, nope. And she just kind of shoves him into a- Cubbyhole. Yeah. Cubbyhole. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I Great. I like the symbolism of that too. I've gone on and on about how Skull is her dark side voice or whatever. And there's just like, there's so much Death Wish stuff of them making terrible choices. And again, I think this is just like her shutting off that neurotic monologue that was happening. This is her like, Nope, I don't need you for this. This is not, this is not the situation to have my doubts in my ear Mm -hmm. right now. I am, I'm going to go in there and save my friend, which is like, yep. That's modern heroism. That's like, I'm going to put myself out there to save my friends.
0: So then we have this really good bit where um, Skull being left behind is trying to talk to Biggerstaff because he's like, Master, it's me. Yeah. You know, and because Biggerstaff is a type two ghost, he's got nothing. And Skull is like, oh, well, he's not what he what he was. And that is so interesting to me because he was his master. Right. And but in death, it's Skull who's the more powerful one.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: A part of me thinks that this is where Skull kind of switches because I don't think we get anything else from him this chapter after Bickerstaff doesn't
1: respond to him. He <laughs> there is a moment where, like, he lets Lucy know at the last second that she. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that Joplin was coming up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, But that's it. From this point on, Kips takes over the duties of saying derisive things to Lucy during the entire thing.
0: I feel like maybe Skull realized that, you know, the great cult leader is actually dead. You know, his
1: ghost isn't... No, I think... I feel think, like
0: this is where Skull becomes the Skull that we like. I think you're you right. You know, where he starts to.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I And I think it's like, it mirrors the whole thing that's going on with Lucy and Lockwood, like where she has, you know, this crush on a boy that that's a crush on a fantasy of a boy... And the more she gets to know him, like, the relationship gets real and complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a different relationship. And now he sees Bickerstaff for, you know, what he has become. And he's like, oh, I I don't have the master-servant relationship anymore. I am greater than the master. What does this mean? Now I yeah, have to figure exactly. out who I am. Yeah.
0: And, like, he can never get back to where he was. Yeah
1: growing up in other words
0: which i love when they when stories do that with either uh, something like skull or you know you see it with a lot of immortal type characters when they get mentally as well as physically stuck mhm and it's i don't know i like that storytelling it's interesting that's great anyways as you say joplin's not around so lucy goes in to try to untie either well kipps is still conscious george is a little is out of it So Kips can relay what happened, um, which really just means that we get some classic George humor. But Joplin gets pulled into it also because they had a fight. But of course, it was just them slapping at each other until they both lost their glasses.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then scrambling on the floor for them. Yeah. So yeah, it's a joke fight. I like that Kips is like, don't bother trying to wake up, talk to George. Just get me free. Don't don't bother with your friend. Like I'm over here tied <laughs> up. That's pretty good stuff.
0: I love when um I don't know, Kips is saying something and then Lucy says, I don't know, shut up. Yeah. Because <laughs> that just it's A, it's great. And B, I can feel show Lucy doing that. You know? It I don't know. It's just so
1: it's it's quintessential Lucy. It is. It's really good. The moment here, probably my my favorite joke in this section where she's like, uh, Kipps, are you all right? He rolled his eyes. What me tied up by a madman and left in a haunted catacomb in the company of Cubbins. I'm just peachy. Can't you tell? Oh, that's good. I said, beaming. I was being sarcastic. My beam turned into a scowl. Yeah. So was I. And so they just hate each other, even though they're in a life and death situation and they should be allies. I don't know. It's, it's all really, really great. He can't, Even in this moment, he can't not be a dick. Like, she's completely justified in treating him this way.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're all, all the Fitz team are just assholes to them. Yeah,
1: the worst. She tries to find the key to get George out because he's, like, chained up, not just, like, tied up.
0: Both of them are. Yeah. It's not ropes that she can cut. It's chains that she would need a key for. Yeah.
1: She can't find the... The key, though, there's a bunch of bric-a-brac on a table, and she's like, I don't know where the key is. I can't can't do it. And Skull is like, watch out, Lucy, behind you. And then he's like, it's too late. Ha, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Because Joplin's there with a knife.
0: Yay, everybody's favorite knife-wielding Mako.
1: Presumably a, a different knife.
0: Yeah, must be, because one was given to the museum, one was left in Carver's back. This <laughs> yeah. is a different knife
1: brought a brought a knife to a sword fight, but getting the knife in the back is uh, a good strategy. Lucy surrenders
0: and basically gets tied to the back of Kipps's I almost said quips again um uh, of Kipps's chair, but she's standing behind him. It's all very complicated
1: they're not facing the mirror is kind of the important yes thing. and then and they Joplin, can see George
0: has <laughs> a bit of a bad guy monologue yeah. where we basically just confirm everything that we know and also we confirm how kips got there and how he got tied up which is again what we assumed he just followed them
1: we kind of skipped over it but we had you know we talked about baker Staff being there and just like how completely creepy he is mm-hmm. over there watching like it's you know you were like you know the big party is happening but it is a very like She can feel when his attention moves to her, and it is very ominous.
0: And Joplin confirms that all the entrances are locked, and he shut off the catafalque mechanism from below, so no one can get down unless they want to jump 20 feet into a pitch black hole, (laughs) and who would be prepared to do that? And Lucy is, of course, immediately (laughs) like, there's one person I knew who might... But he was busy up above and I couldn't rely on
1: him. He lives to jump down 20 foot holes. That's his whole thing.
0: That's his favorite thing to jump off of stuff.
1: He loves it. There is a moment here too where Joplin smacks George in the face twice. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, George just getting slapped in the face all the time.
0: It is a uniquely slappable face. It's his so. face yeah. Had- yeah. I guess Joplin just couldn't control himself. <laughs> But then George does wake up, and I love that almost the first thing Lucy says is, I'm so angry with you.
1: Yeah. He's like, like when she confirms that he's
0: okay, he's just <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: It's great. Brother and sister. There's a really good moment here thematically where, and and again, what you were saying earlier about Bickerstaff being like the cult leader who is invading Joplin's mind and like oh, yeah. taking yeah. him over and stuff. I think that's key here to understand that. And it's like really, really creepy and excellent. Um, but he's talking to George and he's talking to all the kids, basically. Um he says, here's a tip. It's always wise to keep your cards close to your chest. Secrecy is crucial. But that's really the way that they've been operating the whole book and it's kind of led to this moment where they, because they were divided, like even George's secrecy of like, I'm going to call Joplin and I'm going to go off, you know, has their, their disconnection, their lack of connection is what has led them to this moment. And it's that they're going to have to work together to solve the problem. So like, he's completely 180 degrees wrong in what he's saying. But like, I think that's why you put this, in the villain's mouth in this moment, because it's like the point of the book is like, you don't keep secrets. Don't keep things close to your chest because that's what divides us. And that's what makes us weak and what keeps us trapped in the past and what stops us from evolving and on and on and on. Like by the end of the book, secrets will come out. You know, we're going to destroy secrets. We're going to destroy the distance between the characters and and on and on. So like, it's just a really good thing to have the villain say.
0: Yes. Sorry, I agree. I was just thinking that, in a way, it's kind of true just because George did spill his secrets to Joplin. And if he hadn't done that job, this wouldn't have happened.
1: Oh, yeah. It is true. Yeah. He was spilling his secrets to the wrong person, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, although maybe that's kind of on point. Like, they knew that they had to work with someone. They just chose the wrong
1: someone. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. They all trusted Joplin. Like they shouldn't trust Kips either. Like it's complicated, but this is like, I think this is the lesson of this book is like, and it does change the team in a big way because like after this, they're like, yeah, we need to be closer. We need to have fewer secrets and we need to like see past each other. Like these, these petty animosities, like it's all of this stuff is what allows Lockwood eventually to accept Kips into the team is because of what's happening. Right here,
0: it's interesting to go from this lesson into book three. Yeah, I feel. <laughs> it is.
1: Well, and yeah. it's the necessary consequence too.
0: That's great. That well, like that's a great point to bring up about the closeness with the team within the team because of how we started off with the skull trying to drive
1: them apart, mm-hmm. and how we started this book with them like yes. yelling at George and <clears throat> you know,
0: yeah. Anyway, it's eventually. Joplin basically says, George, you're going to look in the mirror or I'm going to kill your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I think that's where Skull is like, win-win. Yeah.
1: <laughs> From off in the distance. <laughs> yeah. He's like, good options. This is a win-win situation for me. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I really wish he had done that. I know that in the show, he's like right there, but that would be yeah. so good if he was like, commentary from like way far away. I don't know. This is pretty good. The show good.
0: cut out a lot of Skull's humor yeah. because they wanted it to have tension or whatever, but <laughs> it's so good. And then they they basically spend two pages yelling about whether or not George is going to look because Lucy's like, don't do it. And Joplin is like, I'll stab people. Mm-hmm. And George is like, I'm going to do it. And then Lucy's like, no, don't do it. And then Joplin's like, I'm going to stab people.
1: Yeah. So the point of this going back and forth is that it is a choice that George makes. And I think he kind of like undermines the way that George undermines it in the way that he characterizes. He's like, I really want to look anyway. Um, but I think he's just saying that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, George has a plan here, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or we see later. Yeah, it's totally
1: yeah. a choice and a plan. That's the point of this.
0: Yeah. So George looks, Joplin screams at him to describe what he sees. George says something about beautiful things and then, quote unquote, dies.
1: Yeah. So the the description here is really scary. Do you think that this is a narrative cheat at all in the way that it's described? Because it talks about like his head is twitching and he goes sideways and like his mouth like almost comes unhinged
0: uh no because i feel like george would do that yeah you know because he's he's playing it up this from the amount of like weird physical humor that we get about george in the books this tracks to me. Oh, that's, you know, really that he would start kind of twitching and doing that and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That he could very easily look like he's dying from everything else that we've gotten about George in these books.
1: That tracks to me. I like that. That's a good explanation. Yeah. I think the first time that I read this, I read it before watching the episode. And yeah, when it got to this point, I was, I was floored. I was like, especially because the way that the chapter ends. Like, it's a Joplin says he might have told us something useful before he died. And I was like, oh, my God, like he killed George. Like, what? Uh, So I was completely fooled. And especially because of the way that the description was, it was, you know, like the face melting scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. I was like, man, he really died. Uh, So I bought it.
0: (laughs) I, I genuinely don't remember. When I read books, I don't usually think
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is no, great. I get what you mean. You're going right. Like yeah. I just, it just, just Go. Yeah.
0: So I, I don't think I even had a thought of whether or not he was dead. I'm just like, all right, turn the page. I say turn the page, I was definitely listening to the audiobook the first time.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm I'm a big sucker. It's like I, I would go on a roller coaster and be like, we're going up, you guys. Can you believe it? Like, everybody would be like, yeah, it's a roller coaster, dude. Like, calm down. So, like, I get that this is how I am.
0: My thing works in reverse, too. Like, I never see twists coming because I don't think about it.
1: I think that's the better way to read, honestly, is to not be sitting there, like, trying to be smarter than the book. Like, what are you doing? when you're doing that, like just let I mean, it happen
0: uh, yeah i i prefer it that way also but people like different things i don't
1: know i guess my my note here is only a monster would stop reading at the death of george so that's where we're ending so we're these. gonna leave it yeah
0: because yeah, we are monsters
1: yeah. so best or worst joke
0: I I do love like the whole villain monologue, Everyone's Gonna Die, and Skull just being like win win.
1: It's <laughs> <That's> pretty good. <laughs> skull everything skull is good.
0: Yeah, just in general, Skull being in a different room but still having bitchy commentary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gotta be so fun to write.
0: Yeah, that's that's my fave.
1: What about you? Mine is just what I said earlier. Lucy is like, uh, are you okay? And he's like- Oh,
0: the sarcasm. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, everything's great, Lucy. And she's like, great, I'm so glad everything's great. And he's like, that was sarcasm. And she's like, yeah, me too. They just have no I feel time like she would have kicked him there. Yeah, she should have like knocked him over or something, been like, yeah. get yourself up.
0: Nothing really felt punk rock?
1: Not really. No. <clears throat> I think punk rock comes, we get the foreshadowing of punk rock- with no one would jump down a 20-foot hole.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, maybe they're being punk rock up top. We can just assume that they're having a good old punk time. Yeah. And I think that's that. And we're almost finished this book. We just have one more part left. And just to sum up some stuff, I have ordered myself a copy of book three. It's coming from a strange place that Alan linked me to. It's taking forever. Mm -hmm. It'll be here sometime, hopefully. I don't think I paid extra for shipping, so I can't complain. Okay, well, it's in the country. That's nice. It got through customs. There you go. Um, I think that's it. If you have any thoughts on how unreligious we are, you can shout us out over on Twitter at Lockwood Podcast or just me in general at Inferior Caitlin.
1: You can send your emails to contact at com, or the contact page com slash contact.
0: And remember to always bring your sarcastic little bitch friend when uh, exploring underground catacombs.